At any rate, man, we're live. So, Mike, what's going on? Um, had a great show last week. If you didn't hear it, you need to go listen to that because it turned out a lot better than I, I knew it was going to be a good show, but it turned out a lot better than I even gave it credit for. So really liked it. So feedback from Tia was that it flowed very well and it sounded like we all had done shows together prior to that. I was like, oh, oh, well, that's what you oh, want to go for. I thought she was going to say preparation, and, and I was going to laugh and say, oh, no, that was just Jeff. But. No, that was just Jeff that did homework. No, no. She just said it sounded like we had done shows together before, and I was like, oh, well, good. I did feel yeah. like that was a that was an amazing conversation. A lot of information was there. So, yeah, if you haven't checked out TW28, uh, you should do so. It was published last Monday from when you get this. Called Settings to Change on macOS and Windows with guests. And just extending another thanks to um, Jeff Bishop and Sean Priest for coming on to the show and participating in that conversation. Also, want to thank everybody that has been supporting us monetarily, as well as those of you who just subscribed to the show and listen. Like, we still appreciate you being here because without you, there's no point in us doing the show. Yes. We, we could just FaceTime each other and FaceTime yeah. audio call each other and call it a day. Although the quality on clean feeds better. <laughs> I really got to set up this soundboard. Shot fired. <laughs> Apple, step it up, man. Step it up. <laughs> Speaking of FaceTime, so I updated my Apple TV 4K to uh, TVOS 17 sometime this week, one day this week. It was like Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. And FaceTime is now in the list of or the grid of apps that's on the home screen. That's not natural. I have not updated our Apple TV yet, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, who really thinks about it? Like, right. I, I think I it, it is entirely possible for me to have still been on TV or 16, honestly. I mean, 17, honestly. I'm 15. Whatever, Whatever was before was. last year. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think the only reason this one was actually upgraded is because I think I actually bought this one within the last 12 months. So mm. it came with 16. So as a follow-up, to the episode that we did, I kind of want to talk to you, and I know you have some topics, and I'm sure you have some questions, so stay tuned, because Demasi's going to ask what I bought without influence of, well, actually, Demasi made me buy it. That's what I'm saying. Um, and so we'll talk about that in a minute. But in I use Hazel on a very regular basis, um, unless I reset up my computer and then things just stick around when they shouldn't stick around and it drives me freaking crazy. But there's a really important setting that I want you to be aware of in the Hazel application. If you go into preferences in Hazel, go to the trash tab and then go to enable app sweep. Um, I, that setting was configured like the day I installed a Hazel, which was the day I set up my Mac because Hazel is in homebrew. And so um, that was the only setting that I configured. I didn't even license Hazel um, at that point, just because what that does is when you delete an application on your Mac, uh, you'll get a pop-up after it deletes. This is, hey, would you like to delete the corresponding files to this? And I think there are other utilities out there to do that. But for me, Hazel is just the cleanest interface. You just hit keep or delete, and I hit delete every time. I can't think of any time I've ever kept them. Demasi, have you ever kept files? I have. Do not use this feature. Nope, I use this feature. Uh, And it's funny because you just described exactly what I do when I first open Hazel. I open Hazel strictly to go turn that on. Uh, There have been periods of time over the years since I started using Hazel, which at this point is about 10 years in, where that's all it was doing on my computer was just it was just there to run App Sweep Uh, Mm -hmm. because I ambitiously wanted to set up rules. But yeah, App Sweep was definitely enabled. Uh, There have been a couple of times where I have kept files. Uh, I, I can't think of one recently, but it's usually because, say, the application saved data to a specific location. Like, I actually wanted that data that was there for some reason, but I didn't mm. no longer use the app. But typically, like you, I just hit uh, delete. And within that table, you can expand that out and selectively select, uh, choose things that you want to throw away or keep in that scenario. I think I was doing some testing. I do remember one time I kept 
some files from TextMate because I was going to reinstall it, but I was trying to troubleshoot something. So I moved those files out of their location and then deleted the folder. Uh, but that is an amazing feature. I want to tell you about one that may resolve the set up a new computer and stuff doesn't move because your rules aren't there. You can sync your rules through Dropbox. Wait, what? I knew you can export them, but you can sync them through Dropbox? You can sync your rules in Hazel, man. Now I got to go double check and make sure. Now, so you go to Hazel's preferences and advanced. I don't see oh, wait, is it. Is it gone? Maybe they took it out. I do know that under the rule menu, you can export rules. Is it under the rule menu? Okay, it's maybe like none of us know what we're doing with this. <laughs> there is an export rules under the folder menu that you can do, and you can export all rules. Oh, there it is. Yep, rule sync import. settings. Ah, yep. It's moved. It's now in the menu. It used to be in the preferences. Set up new sync file. I could sync them on my external drive. Set up new sync file. Yep. So, that should help you out, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go set that up because it's been driving me crazy that my Alphonics folder. So, for listeners who don't know, I export all of my Reaper projects to Alphonic Dropbox, Alphonic um, Apps folder. So, I can pull those files directly from Alphonics web interface if I want to run Alphonic uh, through, run that audio through Alphonic. Well, one of the things that I had set up in the past was if a file is older than 48 hours or was last modified more than 48 48 hours ago, move it to my Alphonics archive folder, which is in another place in my Dropbox. And what that means is when I open Alphonic, there's never too many files in there. There's there's always a few files, but there's never too many in there. So I can quickly get to the file that I want. Well, that list started growing and growing and growing. And I'm like, this is not working right. And that's what made me go look at Hazel because I have those rules set back up. But now I'm going to go set the sync up because I didn't even know that was there. So. Yeah, Sweet. so they moved it, which is one of the reasons you probably missed it because I was it used to be in system pref I mean in the preferences, but now it's in that folder menu. Also, mm -hmm. uh, for you and anybody else listening that is using keyboard maestro, you can sync those uh, mm -hmm. actions as well uh, through keyboard maestro using a cloud service. Or uh, I actually don't sync my rules at the moment. I do have a couple of things set up in, in uh, Keyboard Maestro, one of which I think I mentioned on the show. Uh, I know I mentioned to you, I can't remember if you're on the show or not, but I have Maestro, which is the Dropbox client I'm using on the Mac, uh, set up to store my Dropbox on an external drive. So with that being the case, that means I don't need or can allow Maestro to run as soon as the Mac boots up because the drive won't be mounted because it has a password on it. Mm -hmm. but when I would unlock the disc, I would forget to turn on Maestro and might be like, yeah, I put this thing in Dropbox. And I'm like, uh, I don't see that. Oh, wait a minute. I got to run Maestro so it'll actually, you know, sync. Uh, so one quick, very quick uh, macro I set up in Keyboard Maestro was when that volume is mounted, open Maestro. Ah, used to also automatically enables it. Yep. Uh, so whenever I plug in, the drive and the drive gets mounted, it automatically runs Maestro. It used to also run sync, but I turned, I removed the sync action because I've now moved sync back over to my internal drive. Do you know if Hazel, I think it does, and I need to do some poking around. Do you know if Hazel will allow you to not run rules if a drive isn't connected? There is a way to do that. Um, oh, Allison, I, I think, went over that, if I remember. Yeah, because she was running into a similar issue where she was traveling and didn't have a drive connected, uh, and it went nuts. Yeah, there's a way to tell it not to run if the drive isn't isn't mounted. I forget exactly what those steps are, but uh, I do know that, that is a, there's a solution there. So that's been my adventure. Max finally set back up. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to last week's episode. Um, every uh -huh. once in a while, I still run into something that's like, oh, I need to do that or configure that or set that up. I'm looking at you, Hazel. But for the most part, I'm I'm fully up and running. So, Yeah, I'm about to wipe my because I've been digging around, deleting 
stuff mm. uh, that I probably maybe shouldn't have deleted something. I don't know what that something is. So uh, probably going to wipe. I may try just to install over the top first before I completely wipe the computer. But the beautiful thing about it is it won't really take me that long to get back up to a working point. There's a few things I have to remember to do before I wipe a machine, such as because I'm running uh, Windows 11 in, in parallels, I have to make sure I, I de-license the uh, NVDA add-on over there. Mm. Uh, mm. Probably deauthorize parallels. I can't remember if I have to do that or not, or how. When you re-sign in, it'll ask if you want to uh, to pull authorize. that license over. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I. I don't recommend this, but I did not deauthorize NVDA. Well, I don't know if that works actually, oh, because I rebuilt a new Windows machine too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although I tend to keep my, I have to think about that. But right now, my my parallels machines are on an external drive, so yep. I probably don't have to do any of that. But I do it anyway because it's not. It's a demo key that I have access to, so I don't want to tie that up. Right. Yep. Yeah, I store my parallels on an external drive too. Um, I actually have two Windows machines. One's the one that I was was using before the restore, and then the other one is the parallels machine that I just created earlier this week with a brand new install of Windows. And man, that thing starts up super fast. I don't know what I did to the other one, but this one's like. Turn it on, <laughs> open it up, and it's it's live. By the way, I don't know if you knew this, but if you type in Parallels in LaunchBar, or PAR in my case, tap the right arrow, it'll show you all of the windows you have or all the installs. So you just hit Enter, and then you're in Parallels, and it's running. Uh, so it's that a recent does document. that come up with Parallels desktop for you? It's yeah. like the thing in right arrow? Nope, I don't get that. Really? Yeah, I, I find Parallels desktop. It says contains recent items if I tap right arrow. It gives me both versions of Windows. Anyways, so I built around with that because I don't have that. Yeah, so I rebuilt this one and it's working very well. Uh, Followed some of the settings Jeff gave. I know you went through your Windows machine and went through some of those settings. So um, seems to be a little snappier. I did delete all the extraneous applications that I will never use. There's still a couple there that I might use, but for the most part, they're all gone. Yeah, I think I got rid of everything it would let me get uh, <laughs> rid of, honestly. Because yeah. I'm only in Windows at this point just for AT guys. Like, outside of that, I I don't spend a lot I of time. I intend on spending more time yeah. in Windows, but you know, I never, I never when get I'm done with AT it. guys, I'm like, I'm done with Windows. Done with Windows today, man. I don't, I don't you know. It's just weird enough. Like, it works, functionally, it works very well for me. Uh, enough to get my job done in AT guys without any struggle uh, and no fighting with Zendesk or any of that stuff. But it's weird enough too with, with some key commands and, and things like that not functioning that I don't want to sit there and try to start using Windows like I would use a Windows computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that is a part of the barrier for me at least. But also it's like, you know, what am I really going to do? I could just go to Safari. Why, why am I going to browse an edge on Windows? Uh, by the way, I am using Edge for this clean feed session. Good, good. Because I was running Chromium, and I was connected, and we were talking, and then I did something. What did I do? Oh, I set, I went to start the recording, and it came back up, and the screen was blank. Like, and from voiceover standpoint, mm-hmm. at least, the screen inside of that, that uh, navigation Dialogue. area, web area inside of uh, clean feed mm-hmm. page was empty, right? And that's like the third time that happened to me since I started setting up the thing today so i was like all right let's go install the edge because i couldn't go save after that because mm. right? you know mm. the only thing i could do is restart to make it come refresh to make it come back and that's not something yep. to rely on well you know i tried to chrome i use zoom in windows and that was a weird experience ah. any particular reason no just something to do ah just because just, I could. I, I was playing with Zoom cuts and I wanted to get into a meeting with myself. That's what it was. Ah. So um, <laughs> I had myself, my Mac Zoom, and I muted that Zoom in SoundSource and then I joined in Windows. Um, and then just because I could, I joined Michael's room as well uh, from Windows. And it, it, it worked very well, surprisingly. 
Audio doesn't break in Windows when in parallels like I would anticipate it to do. No, that's actually how I did the testing for uh, what ultimately ended up being last week's setup and clean feed with the using putting each guest on his own on their own aux so I could get a backup recording of each individual person through Audio Hijack. I did my testing with Chrome on the Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, Edge on the Windows 11 virtual machine, Safari on my iPhone, and I, th- yeah, and I also joined using a browser on an Android phone. Hmm. Okay. And it worked well. It worked well. Yeah, it was awesome, man. We got all the backup files. Like, we didn't have to use them, but they were there in case something would have went, went wrong. So that, that was the thing that made me happy. And it made it easy to route everybody's audio in as well. Check me out on Mastodon because Devossi and I chatted after that call and I clipped that chat and he walked us through how he set up all those devices to create the backup recording in Audio Hijack. And I have that posted. I posted it last Sunday on Mastodon. Look there, man. So so you, you, you bought stuff today. I did. I got one question before we actually get into what did I convince? Because I I will admit that I did nudge you down this pathway, but I do think it was the right way to go. Uh, But even before we get there, ultimately, at the end of this, did it cost more than an iPhone 15 Pro? No. Okay. All right. So what'd you buy, Mike, and why? More than an iPhone 15, but not a 15 Pro. Well, yeah. (laughs) If you upgrade to a 15, you're not going regular 15. No, I'm going to a 15 Pro Max when I do. So, all right. We got Mike in the Max Club. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Apple, if you're listening, my address is. (laughs) (laughs) So, Apple, I'm really kind of disappointed in the 15 Pro Max. I'm actually going to send mine back uh, because I just don't have enough time to get used to it. It's nice (laughs) for you to send me a unit. I could really get used to it and do some testing. But, you know, what if my tests don't work in two months and uh, it's too late to knock? So what did you buy, Mike, and <laughs> so, why is this a potential business expense for you? So the one thing I bought that you don't know about is I bought a Gemini UHF 6200M dual wireless handheld microphone system. Um, I went with the Gemini because that looked like it's going to be the most uh, easiest to set up. I did only get two. When we were talking, I was looking at getting four, but I primarily figured a two is going to be plenty because that's how many the hotel had anyways. So if I can't work with two, at least for now, then there's kind of a problem and we can just pass the one around the top, the head table and then pass one around. And honestly, I'm going to get it on Wednesday and play with it with the other piece of equipment that I got and use the blast as my output just saying that's going to be what i'm going to play with for the output and uh see if i can get that to work and if that all works well then potentially in the future if this turns into me doing this for more people then i will pick up a second set of those especially if i like those so that's the one that i got and then i also got the audient evo 16 usb audio interface uh, and that's going to give me some flexible audio routing i am talking to a couple of people on mastodon who have this device and are mac users and i'm also listening to jonathan's uh, uh blind pod maker episode about it i gotta go back and re-listen to it so i can get familiar with it the biggest thing is very so good episode, by the way. It is. It it really all of his episodes when it comes down to explaining equipment, I think are pretty well put together, and I I greatly appreciate that that Agreed. work for sure. Agreed. Um. So if you've listened to the the old show, uh, the show that shall not be named, DM series, uh, then you know that last year I was the tech for the last two years. I've been the tech person. To facilitate ACB of Oregon's hybrid conventions. Um, well, I guess, has it been two years? It has been two years. Yes, uh, wow. Wow. Anyways, so this will be the third year that, that I've been doing it. Um, so 2021, we were at a, no, it's only, we only did one. Oh, we, yeah. We, no, there's yeah. just been one hybrid. We did the board meeting earlier this year. That's, That's what it seems what like, it too. Yep. 
Yeah. yeah, you're right. So in 2022, we did a hybrid convention um, at a hotel, and I was able to get audio from the Mac into the house system uh, using the equipment that the hotel provided. Uh, it turned out to be a eighth inch connector in the wall that happened to be a line in that <laughs> ran audio through the overhead speakers. So that worked well. Uh, but people on Zoom couldn't hear the in-person individuals very well. So I kind of did what we could do then and then moved on with the day. In April, we hosted the board meeting. And again, I was able to get the audio into the house system, but I wasn't able to get decent audio. And we figured out a way to make it work because we actually used the Vocaster because it was a small enough room uh, and just passed around a wired microphone, the Q2, no, the Shure SM, no, which microphone? Beta 87A. Beta 87A. Beta 87A, the venerable. Yeah, had a very long XLR cable that was just dragging all around so the floor. So see that 10-foot cable you bought that one time when you were like, why the hell did I buy this 10-foot cable? <laughs> yeah. I know you got one. Everybody everybody has one. I have yeah, one. And I if don't you know don't, why go I buy one. <laughs> yeah, if you don't, you should go buy one. Because <laughs> <laughs> it will get used. But everybody buys one at some point during their first journey with an XLR microphone and an audio interface or a mixer. You buy that stupidly long cable. You use it for a bit, then you... You know, compress things down or whatever. And you go buy like, a smaller cable. Yeah. Then you're like, why did I buy this huge long cable? But it comes in handy in events like this where you're like, hi, I don't have to go to Amazon to get one today. Yep. And so we had the opposite issue. Well, kind of the opposite issue. It was actually the best of both worlds. So people on Zoom could hear just fine because we had the microphone running around the room and people would talk into the microphone. Um, and then the people uh, on Zoom would be able to talk and they would come through the, audio, the house audio. So that sounds like the best of both worlds. Well, the problem is the microphone that was going around was not going through the house audio. So uh, it was a small enough room. It was just, I think we had 14 people there and we're expecting 42 at our convention, which still isn't a lot of people, but it's more than 14. And uh, I wanted to ideally get the, uh, I wanted to get the best of both worlds. So I want people on zoom to hear what people in the room are saying. And I want people in the room to be able to hear what the people on zoom are saying, no one to struggle uh, with getting any of that. And let's say we're going on a break or something. I, I, I kind of want to play some royalty-free music, of course, over the house speakers so people have uh, music that they can listen to. So this Audient Evo, I think, is going to give me, from what I've done, the best of both worlds. And I think the solution that I'm going to do is kind of something, and now that I'm talking this out, I... I kind of already did this and I didn't think about it, but I want to take out the audio routing from the hotel's equipment and use my own equipment to route the audio, send audio into Zoom that needs to go into Zoom, send audio to the overhead speakers that need to go to the overhead speakers, and make sure that Zoom doesn't hear themselves. And I think that this should give me the best of of all worlds. And it it avoids me buying a mixer and buying another audio interface. Um, yes, yes, I, I hear you crying behind me, Soundcraft. You're just not up to the job, though. I don't, I don't think you're up to the job. I don't want to rely on you being up to the job. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think you probably still would have had to buy some piece of gear, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if you were going to look at using the Soundcraft as a as a because as a mixer it is pretty decent. It's just as an audio interface it comes in very low. Like just legitimately telling the truth. I think I even put that in there. No, I did not. I'm lying. Uh, but I have said this to people before. Um, you know that it, it does come in low as a as a USB interface. As a mixer, it's pretty flexible. I don't think you quite get the flexibility that you're going to have here with the audience though, because the audience is set up for you to make mix minuses and with their software which on windows at least is very accessible uh i hear that it's also accessible on the mac you can 
hard set these your you know go ahead and configure your routing prior to even getting there and that is going to be the routing for the channels as you configure it so it's not a thing you have to touch and, and keep rejiggering and i don't think depending on how it handles core audio i don't think you're going to have to use loopback at all or at least not as much if at all to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish but if I do, I mean, once you get it configured, you just it, run those it, it, devices it still and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. It still works either way. Yeah. So cool so, beans, man. So that will be there. I, I really am curious to see if this is going to show up its channels everywhere in the system that it possibly can, or if it's just going to show up to like Loopback and uh, Reaper. An audio hijack. Yeah, an audio hijack. Forget about audio hijack sometimes. And I yeah. think I showed you that trick, but yeah, yep, forget about audio hijack sometimes. That so yeah, it does expose, which gives you a lot of flexibility. I mean, just saying. I do need to buy a couple more XOR cables, I think. <laughs> um, and you know, you can never have too many. Uh, you can have too many cables, but when it comes to gigs like this, having cables on hand, more cables on hand is better than not having enough cables on hand. Yeah, I would say once you get the interface and look at the output options, uh, you know, you may or may not need to buy cables. Because like me, I think you've kind of picked up random cables over the years, mm -hmm. especially with the Soundcraft, where it's like, oh, well, I could use this kind of deal to make this work. And now you're sitting here with a bunch of little Y cables that have different connectors and uh, adapters <laughs> on the ends of them. Got a, a, a whole cup full of eighth inch to quarter inch adapters. Oh man, I got a bunch of those things. I got one stashed in a backpack. I got one in a drawer right here. There's one currently in the Vocaster. <laughs> uh, they're they're everywhere. I do need to purchase. Speaking of audio equipment and purchases, uh, I do need to buy me a sort of like this bungee cord that's on the AKGs. Mm. But on the end that plugs into the AKGs, I actually want that to be a female uh, eighth inch uh, connector. Yeah, I have one of those. Mallory picked one of those up from Best Buy. I don't want to go when we Best were Buy. at the hotel last year. Ah, to get the equipment going. Yeah. <laughs> I remember this now. She had to take that trip to Best Buy. That yeah, she had to take to those three trips to Best Buy. Oh. <laughs> so cool, man. I, I am excited to see what you do with this audience. I, and if anybody listening has experience or has used the Audient Evo 16 or the 8, uh, reach out. Because I did convince Mike he needed to buy the 16 because I thought it had features the 8 did not from what I was able to discover looking. But if somebody, you know, knows me to be wrong. I got uh, 60 days to return it. Exactly. And I might still return it. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. So... Just like last week, if you listen to last week's episode, you already know I didn't do my homework then. Uh -huh. Didn't do my homework this week either, because we were going to talk about timery and toggle. No toggle. Uh, we were going to talk about timery and, and timing. timing or timing. Uh, yeah, I have not set up time. I did install it, but I have not set it up. And the reason I didn't, I feel like I got a pretty good reason, uh, is I actually haven't used this app in a while. So I was like, it'll be good to just record the whole setup process as I'm doing it. Uh, and we'll discover, you know, how well it works from that aspect, at least uh, all together. And I haven't had time to do it. So therefore, I haven't opened it. So I installed Timery and I just haven't opened it. And I have a reason <laughs> for why I didn't. I mean, that's the only reason, because like, I've looked at it a couple like, oh, no, no, nope, you want to record the thing, and you can't record the thing right this second, so, yeah. Uh, but I have started back importing things into DevonThink. Uh, Michael asked mm -hmm. me about DevonThink a few months ago, and um, um, it's been on the computer. It has stuff in it. The databases are, you know, syncing or whatever, but I've now started adding new stuff in, and uh trying fresh uh, a little bit i still have my other databases with past info available to me but i did start with a brand new database today and i'm just gathering in different articles di different pieces of information into this database related to programming uh, so whether it be an article that explains how you do routing with Laravel and, or, or, you know, change the routing scheme for WordPress or if it's just a code snippet that I need to use quite a bit or I need to test. Uh, saving a lot of that stuff and doing the organization based off the language. So, you know, PHP, JavaScript, 
are like top level folders and then I'm tagging these items uh, based off the you know application of them so if something is very specific to how WordPress works that gets a WP tag but if it's just a general sending emails over the API with SES it may just get an SES tag on it so trying out a different organization scheme I'm not ever using Devin Think but so far off to a good start got a nice keyboard shortcut set up to quickly trigger capturing stuff to save in there that's good. I have not played with Devin Think because it's too expensive a tool of a tool for me to just play with. Um, I have to know that I'm going to use it, and I think you were using it very religiously when you first got it, weren't you? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I've consistently used it uh, as basically. I'm not going to say a dumping ground because it makes it seem like I throw everything in there, but if it's any information I think I may possibly need or something i have been saving it in dev and think like there's a database in dev and think for example that has a lot of the uh business research stuff i was doing before i uh, set up my llc right like has a lot of that information and their related specifics for alabama uh that may be different from elsewhere things like that and if i need one of those docs instead of searching the web for it i know i have it i can just go search in there uh or if i wanted to set it up as a uh, you know, allow Spotlight to index it so then it could show up in LaunchBar, you know, just depending on the structure of the, the database and what's in there that I may want to search for. So, and that has come in handy quite a, quite a bit of times. You do get a 30-day trial of it. Uh, I don't actually know what the cost is right now at the moment. But I do but know you it can try it out. Up. Yeah, you can try it out for 30 days. Hmm. I mean... Maybe I'll poke at it probably not going to commit to it in the next month but maybe over the winter when things are cold and dreary and i don't want to go anywhere then i might poke at it because the idea of it really intrigued me like having a single resource to say oh yeah i did re- i researched this i have this i'm trying to think of oh the a code snippet that I had that I think I emailed to you, which if it's not in Devon, think you should probably put it in there because I'm going to ask you for it again one of these days. Um, that will allow you to add alt text to your logo in Generate Press. Um, having that code snippet and being able to just quickly search for alt text Generate Press in LaunchBar or something would be really helpful, I think. Yeah. Now, you could do some similar things with drafts. The reason that I have, even with drafts being a mainstay for me, um, Devin Think is more, because you can store just about any type of document format in there, uh, I tend to use that. And it's a little, I I sort of feel like it's weird, but I just go with it because it works for me. So I'm not going to, you know, I mean, other people may question it. I'm not going to question it. It works. But Let's say, for example, I could use Devon Think as well to create new notes. Like there, are, you know, abundance of keyboard shortcuts uh, on the Mac. Uh, you know, good shortcut support on iOS and iPad OS. But I still use Drafts for quick notes because it's open it up and you're typing right. Mm-hmm. With Devon Think, though, that is where I would store a lot of information. I will clip something to from the web to Drafts, for example, if I intend on following back up on it, or it's like a, I'm doing some product research. And I may not necessarily need to keep all of that information, but like that documentation article from uh, Generate Press with that snippet, like that is something that would go into Devon Think for me because that is something I know I'm going to have to refer back to at some point. And if I know starting my search in Devon Think or in LaunchBar is already pre pre-configured to be as narrow for me as possible, that means I'm not wading through different options in a web search result, right? Yeah, and, and you can store you links. Can get the info. Yeah, and you get the info a whole lot quicker because you 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 know curated the the search area in the first place. But you can store PDFs. Uh, it'll take a web archive of a web page, or just a link to it, or save the HTML, or convert it to Markdown. Uh, you can save rich text, uh, plain text. Did I say PDFs? PDFs, images, yeah. audio. Uh, and depending on the nice thing about the Mac app, at least, uh, for sure, I haven't actually played with iOS app in a while, uh, but the Mac app, I have a shortcut set up, uh, command control F11, and that brings up the, uh, what they call the sorter or, the, or I call it a clipper tool for, uh, Devon think. 
So let's say I'm, if I'm on a web page and I hit that shortcut, it is going to already have pre-selected, you know, clip something from the web. Uh, automatically pulls the title out. Uh, you can throw tags on it, saves the link. You can uh, write some comments and then just save it. You know, choose where it's going to go. So like I saved that that Generate Press article that you just reminded me about. Because no, you didn't email that to me. But it's a good storage place for looking up data. And you have the ability to set up multiple databases. And like I said, 30 day free trial. So while I'm looking up the pricing, so we can give that to Yep, you. that's what I was about to go do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly do where you, I was headed. Do you have a uh draft with which we were gonna talk about? Wow. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> we were gonna talk about because I know we had talked about a few things. Yeah, so one thing I wanted to talk about, and this for me kind of stemmed from a podcast I was listening to, and uh, they were talking about features for apps. Like where do you, you know, as app developers for in your case, um, where do you spend the effort sometimes to add new features versus leaving things out, right? Because what's going to be important to your users, what's going to make their experience better, not just what is, oh, I'm a programmer, I can do this super cool thing, I'm going to do it. Uh, And this episode was, um, I think it was, and Mike, I think I may have sent you the wrong episode too, because I think this one was called Don't Use Servers or something. Mm. Uh, But the premise was, well, one of the examples given was like, if you're starting a brand new iOS app or, or, or recently started an iOS app, you shouldn't be using your own syncing service, right? was one example, because iCloud Sync with CloudKit is fairly decent. I haven't actually run into any issues with it at all as a user. Uh, here it can be a little rough on some developers, but from a user standpoint, I haven't run into any issues. And it's like, you know, if you're starting a new iOS app today that does need to have a syncing component, you know, why not use iCloud? Uh, or, you know, think about, does it even make sense for you to spend the effort to even put, you know, create sync, put a sync capability into the app? Because not a lot of people use it. You know, it depends on how your app is going to be, right? So David Smith, who was, uh, this is under the radar I was listening to. So David Smith was like, there's not a way to sync your widgets in uh, Widget Smith across devices, right? So if you set up a bunch of widgets with Widget Smith on your iPhone, when you go to your iPad, you're going to have to set up different widgets. He's like, so he, he never added sync to the app because he said, and he hasn't had any pushback from users. It's not become a big deal that he doesn't have sync. And he was like, I could have spent all that time making a thing to sync and like people wouldn't have cared or they would have turned it off because they did want different widgets based off their devices or whatever the case may be. So where this took me as a business owner and as a, you know, consultant was, you know, where am I wasting effort, uh, building or making or you know whatever what what parts of my business could I cut out that are costing me time or money because it's not removing or not taking away from the customer experience they're, they're still getting what they're they're expecting but this is unnecessary it's like you know do I need a gold-plated you know webcam over my front door like no that doesn't really help anybody right nobody cares uh do i need to do complicated you know i don't say necessarily complicated things but higher level things in a way that people don't care about and ultimately ends up costing me more overhead more time right me and you discuss this in the context of, of of my name service like i actually had a conversation very similar to this and i didn't follow the natural path at that point in time when i was talking about moving uh, my name servers uh, for DNS management to a different service because what I was paying for or what I am paying for isn't really benefiting anybody, right? You're the only sub user on that account uh, that even accesses DNS records. Um, so that's a feature that I'm paying for right now in a service that I don't need because none mm-hmm. of my other customers even care. Yep. They pay me to handle their DNS records. If something needs to be done, I go and do it. And that's typically how that works. And usually I'm the one that is is initiating something needing to be done in the first place. So, like, why am I paying for a service that gives my users the ability to access their own DNS when they're not trying to do it? Mm-hmm. Now, there are ways to do it with where I'm going to move to, but it just means I have to at some point, you know, 
figure that out. Like there's ways to do it. I just don't have to do it right. I'm paying for that privilege right now and not using it. So it just started me thinking about that from a business standpoint of like what things am I spending time or effort on that don't improve the user experience at all and are possibly complicating my life or causing me money that I shouldn't be spending, right? And just curious if you have any sort of things like that in your business that you're identifying about. But I really just kind of want to get that conversation out there because I think sometimes we as and especially, you know, I think this applies to anybody. I, I don't even think this is strictly a technology technologist, you know, perspective. I think this can apply to anybody. If you're enthusiastic about an area and you're doing business in that area, there are things that you're going to like, that you're going to do, that you're going to want to do, that if you're providing a service or a product to end users, they're not going to care about. It's costing you time, money, or, or, or you know, equity, and it's not improving the user experience. In some cases, it could be confusing or complicating the user experience. Yeah, for me... I can't really think of things for the user. Well, it is the user experience, but uh, this goes back to when I was spending time editing out ums Um, and and (laughs) probably leave that there. Uh, But I would spend an inordinate, a huge amount of time, like way too much time trying to edit out the words, um, trying to edit out filler words. Now there's a tool out there that'll do it for me. Thank you, Alphonic. But the point is, is I realized fairly quickly that as long as the message was there for people and people sounded good. Yeah. Of course, if Demasi clears his throat or I go on a tangent that doesn't have anything related to the conversation, there's chances I'll edit those out. But ultimately, if you just give people a natural conversation, they're going to enjoy it more. So I have found that that has helped me with cutting down a editing time and B I don't feel it's sacrificing the quality of the content as long as good content goes in. Now there's some content that I'm like, yeah, let's, let's scratch that and redo that whole thing. But for the most part, it, it, it's not worth the time or energy because people don't care if you say, um, yes, they would prefer you not to, but um, really is a, natural piece of conversation that taking all of them out isn't going to positively impact the experience based on the amount of time that I spend making those alterations. Right. Right. And that's a very similar thing, you know, because, or the same thing, because you're putting in effort because for you, you like, I can take out these ums. Let me do this. Cause I have this Swiss army knife of an editor and it makes it super easy to take out all these ums and, and people don't want to hear um or, and, and, Uh, Let me clean that up right there. Right. But like you said, at the end of the day, you're putting in a lot more time. A lot more equity is being invested in cleaning up a bunch of ums that most people don't care about because that is kind of the way that people talk. So letting that go. Yep. Yep. And I've kind of enjoyed editing audio again. Like it's it's. If I don't edit this one right away, which Andrew's out at homecoming, so I probably will edit this one right away because I've got to stay up till he gets home. Uh, but if I wasn't to edit it, I would get up first thing tomorrow to start editing it so it's done so then I can start working on some of the other tasks like social media posts or getting a transcript of the episode or that type of stuff in order to make it, it sound good. And yeah, I was going to use the filler cut in Alphonic, but I think that last uh, five minutes or so is going to make that not work out very well. So I probably <laughs> won't use the filler cut. Nah, you should you should try it on previous audio first anyway that you know yeah. how it should sound. Um, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Michael liked it, though, when, when we ran it on something. That, oh, State of the Union episode, so. So yeah, I agree. Sometimes you got to figure out what's value for you and what people actually are using. And that might mean ask your customers, what is it that you enjoy using? What is it that I'm doing that you like, uh, that, that brings you value? And is there stuff that I'm doing that you don't really care about? Right. So with that having been said, as a podcast listener, as a person hearing this right now, reach out to us on Mastodon or via email and let us know what you like about the show and what you don't like. 
maybe I shouldn't say um as much as I do or something. <laughs> Friend of the show was telling me every time you guys do an episode, it gets longer. Each episode is longer than the last one. I was like, I don't think that math actually works out that way. <laughs> uh, now, last week's episode was longer. Last week's episode we've, was really long. We've kept them to 70 to 80 minutes long for the other episodes. But yes, last week's episode was 103 minutes. But there was double the amount of people on the show. So but There was double the amount of people. And that <laughs> was really a, a very packed, very dense episode. It was. A lot of stuff on that episode. So should we end it now and see if the friend of the show says, now your shows are too short. <laughs> <laughs> I did not find the pricing for DevonThink. Uh, looks like there's a couple of different tiers. Have you played with the DevonThink server? Um, I did back on DevonThink 2. Okay. That had uh, me intrigued. I'm like, huh, you can have web access to your DevonThink database. That yeah, could be interesting. So... It was sort of uh, not worth it. Gotcha. Back then, now this was, you know, good six, seven years ago probably. Yeah. Uh, But here's the cool thing, and I will see if I can find this pricing. But one thing is you can try that version out too with all the features working. Uh, Okay, I hit the back end of somebody's website, and I don't think I should be seeing this. I don't know what I mistyped, but... Be careful on the web, children. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this is not the page you're looking for. Okay, then. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you can try that. I have not... I I think because technically right now I'm also in a trial, uh, because I I just set this back up and pulled my databases in... uh, within the week so i'm still within a trial because i haven't it's kind of like that hazel thing like i got it set up and working to do what i wanted to do with it when i opened it but uh i haven't actually put the license in yet so i'll get around to doing that so i will probably test the web version to see if it works uh but here's a way for you to kind of think about handling this too and i I really i have been doing a little research into this but i haven't gotten a I'm not say gotten around to. I have not gotten comfortable enough yet that I have started to work on putting this together. But using something like Tailscale, uh, especially if you're you're able to you know split the traffic in in a good way, so that Devin think is technically always on the same network with your mini. Uh, if you were using that, you could just always be able to connect to that. Uh, but you also have syncing through iCloud, Dropbox, Cloud Me. I don't ever remember using Cloud. You remember Cloud Me? You ever use this? No, I've seen it, but I've never used it. Yeah, okay, so that's an option as well. Uh, so you do have sync. The web access is more to give somebody else. Does not. That's one downside to the DevonThink database model. Uh, there's probably there are some ways to kind of hack around this, but it generally is not built for sharing like. Uh, you know, like notes, for example, is, you know, you can create a shared notebook on like I cannot create a unless something is new that I don't know about, which could be. But you can't create a shared database and say, you know, hey, I have access to this database and Michael has access to this database through his Dev and Think account. That is more so what the web version was meant to cover is that type of stuff. It would give people read only access to the data that was in your database. Mm-hmm. Uh now, of course, you could, you know, sync a thing through Dropbox and give somebody the, the encryption key from your side or the password from your side so that they can connect to it in a shared Dropbox folder. But, you know, I hadn't done that. It will let you scan documents. I'm I'm really intrigued by this. I, I'm not going to commit to looking at it, but. I uh, think you can look at it at some point or, you know, look around and I can I can do some walkthroughs uh marlon does a lot with devon think uh, oh does he yeah and just in daily work he's doing a lot with devon think hmm he's all about automation too yeah i want to take another look at this so standard agent. is 99 dollars ah. pro is 199 and server is 499 ah that's right yeah they did get very expensive yeah with version three used to get so i got into devon think for i want to say well actually the first license i got was a personal license uh because in devon think too they did personal pro and something else 
Uh, pricing was much different, though. Uh, I think I got my first license as a part of a bundle that I paid for, which is a personal license. I subsequently upgraded to the next level version, which I think was Pro, because it gave me the OCR, because they were using Abbey Fine Reader OCR. And back yep. then, you know, we didn't have these. This was, you know, 2014, 2015. So a whole lot of stuff didn't exist in the world at wise at that point in time. And ever since then, like I didn't, I had to pay an upgrade fee to get to version three, which came out a couple of years ago. Uh, but it wasn't nearly as steep as it would be if I was paying for it brand new. Gotcha. Well, I gotta, I gotta recoup the cost from this purchase I made today before I go buy software. Anything else, man? Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Because yeah. if I go with Devin, think I, I, I already suspect that I'll need the pro version because I want to use it for OCR. Yeah, it's nice to be able to drop a PDF in there that's scanned and just you know have it automatically be scanned and converted to searchable text. Yeah. Another nice thing about it, which I, I don't really think about it until I'm setting it up again, like from scratch as I was, and you know, you can have it set so that when you drop a PDF or whatever in that needs to be scanned, that it'll OCR it, but you don't have to make it a PDF. You could convert it to a doc or a text or RTF or something too. So some other options in there. It's pretty flexible and customizable. I have figured out how to cut down on some of the interface clutter, which is one of the mm-hmm. reasons I had kind of been drifting away from it for a while with version three is because the interface on the Mac is very was very cluttered. Uh uh, figured out how to get some of that out. It's kind of like Jeff giving me that amazing tip or everybody that amazing tip about Edge and your tabs and windows. <laughs> that thing was driving me crazy, dude. Yeah, yeah, and it's nice that now it, they're just gone. They're gone. Like, like you, I thought that was a Parallels side yep, effect. I really thought, I mean, I had been turning on and off coherence mode and all of this in Parallels thinking like, well, what are you getting stuck on? Why just digging through Parallels settings looking for how to stop this behavior? And it was a Windows thing the whole time. Don't know what we're talking about. Go listen to Technically Working 28. Because, yeah, well worth it. All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap us up for this week. And if you want to connect with us, you can send an email to tw at com, And I'll at least get it. I don't know if Demos is getting those emails. Nope. Uh yeah, he's not. So I'll forward the ones that I think he needs. Uh, and then you can follow us on Mastodon. He's Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E, at unmute.community. I am Payom, P-A-Y-O-W-N, at unmute.community. And as I said, if you're interested in how Damasi set up CleanFeed to grab everyone's audio separately from uh, – or how he set audio hijack up to grab everyone's audio separately from clean feed. Go take a look at my Mastodon posted last Sunday. So thanks to Mossy. Oh, one and, last thing. Yep. Oh, I mentioned at the beginning that I wanted to thank our supporters, people who have subscribed to the tip jar. You can also find the tip jar at your slash TW. And that will get you a link over to support us. So we appreciate you in advance. And listen to Double Tap on Friday, and you might hear a familiar voice. Yeah, man, I'm just this Double Tap takeover. It's going to be me telling you guys right now. <laughs> I got a story about that. I got to tell you off there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to plug my show the whole time that I'm there, too. You know, yeah. <laughs>